Did you know that back in the 80s, Bruce Willis had hair? We've got all sorts of fun and interesting information and more coming up. We got lots of things, so let's rock and roll. It's Did You Know with Ryan O. Hello and welcome to this episode of Did You Know with Ryan O. In case you didn't know, I'm Ryan O. This is my show and I know exactly what you're thinking. Uh, Who didn't have hair back in the 80s? Yes, folks, welcome to Did You Know with Ryan O. Here's how this works. We are the podcast all about pop culture references. We talk about history, horror story, horror stories. There's a lot of stories involved. We also talk about science and go over all sorts of random and crazy and amazing facts. But this episode, we're not going to do it alone. Yes, folks, this episode, I'm graced with the presence of a guy who's been on this podcast multiple, multiple, multiple times. And since I made a Bruce Willis reference, you probably can guess who it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Hampton. Hey, dude. What's going on? What's going on, dude? I'm, you know, I just had a whole bunch of pizza and a whole bunch of Pepsi. So I'm like super sugared up and ready to talk about action films and explosions. So you're feeling pretty good. You know what? So am I. I got a beer in hand right now. I'm ready to do this thing. Nice. What type of beer is currently sponsoring your side? Uh, right now, I got a little summer shandy, a little Leinen Kugels. Ah, das Leinen Kugel. Oh, das Leinen Kugels, yeah. I felt it appropriate for the movie we're about to talk about. Yes, because we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about Japanese companies, mm. And, mm. and we're going to talk about um, people from New York. I, I, you're getting there. And we're going to discuss uh, Los Angeles proper. Okay, closer. And we're going to have a conversation. About the Fox headquarters building? Talk about Hans Gruber. Oh, oh. Um, and we're going to talk about a guy um, who's who's celebrating diplomatic immunity. No, that's a wrong, wrong action film. That's Lethal Weapon, but that we could talk about that another day. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> talk about Mel and all of his craziness. It's just been revoked. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, later on in this episode, we're going to have an awesome chat about the, uh, 1988, yeah, 1988, the 1988 action film, Christmas action film known as Die Hard. Mm. Mm. I'm super excited. Oh, it's going to be a grand old time. But before we do that, we have to take care of some business like we normally do at the front of an episode. Um, and this time, we're going to dive deep into the mailbox known as Rhino and the Mailbox of Doom, where I'm going to bring up a question that was um, asked probably by me and answered probably by all of our listeners. And we're going to see what sort of amazing responses we got. All right. Let's, Let's see. do it. 
Two years ago, on this date, I asked people what their favorite holiday food is. Ooh. And I got uh, 11 answers. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nine answers, I should say. All right. So the first answer is ham. Ham's good. I, I love a good Christmas ham. I'm not a fan of ham, but I'm also not a fan of bacon. So, so there's that. Then you know what that makes sense. I, like I don't eat bacon, bacon anymore. If I do, it's turkey bacon. Okay. Turkey bacon's pretty good. I, I I've never tried. Well, actually, I have. I have tried turkey bacon. I'm not a fan of that either because I don't like most turkey. That's weird too. Hey man, that's okay. That means more for me. I will put my turkey bacon on your plate. Word. Uh, let's see. We got cranberry relish. Interesting. Uh, sage dressing slash stuffing, depending on which part of the country you're from. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Chocolate pie. Okay. I feel like pie is good, whatever. But, you know, that's just me. Someone said cornflake wreaths i don't know what the heck that is but i'm intrigued uh, i think they're cornflakes with color and uh holly berries huh uh, let's see roasted pork and pigeon pea rice <coughs> you lost me with the pigeon peas yeah uh beer cheese you lost me after beer <laughs> you're not a fan <laughs> of beer cheese i don't know <laughs> I don't know how many times I've had beer cheese. Well, next time we go to the brewery, we'll have to order some beer cheese and some pretzels and rock and roll with a little bit of each. Word. And then the final uh, two we got here. Uh, one is uh, just food. Okay. And someone likes wedding cookies. Okay. So I don't know how to feel about the wedding cookies, but I, I, I guess it works. I, I guess if you get married during the holidays. That's true. So if it's your uh, anniversary, I, I guess that totally makes sense for a lot of people. I, get, I guess that person gets a pass, but that that is not a universally acceptable answer. <laughs> but we'll allow it because to each their own Yuletide blessings. Unless that is about the debate for whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie, because it is a Christmas movie. Oh, it totally <laughs> is a Christmas movie. We'll talk like about so many different ways. There's at least seven. Seven? I got like nine. It's like, like I said at least seven. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'll talk about it in a minute, but I found a video where they scientifically prove that it's a Christmas movie. I'm in. <laughs> it's the greatest thing I've ever watched. That, that sounds awesome and a half. Um, but before we do that, uh, I have to ask, since the last time you were on this podcast, which uh -huh. w w wasn't that long ago, what sort of shenanigans have you been up to? Well, uh, I have been DJing at Disney Springs in Orlando. That sounds like an eventful and prosperous thing. It is eventful. And quite prosperous. And we just unveiled something. I actually can talk about it now. Okay. Uh, our company, 
that I work for uh, now has a mobile DJ platform that we can bring to special events and such. And right now we are doing a mobile DJ platform at gives Give Kids the World in Celebration, Florida. Okay. And it is pretty freaking sweet. So if you can wander out to Give Kids the World, you can see us wandering around on a mobile DJ platform, getting lit, as the kids say. Now, how do you mobile a DJ platform? Well, uh, uh, you've been to Disney Springs and places such as this, correct? I, I have. This is more for the, the, the folks listening uh, to the, the podcast. Correct. I was just going to say, do you know, like, there's a little, like, uh, remote-controlled piano guy that would just kind of, like, he looked like he was an autonomous, like, mobile piano, and he'd play and sing. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, but uh, if you were to, like, gaze upon the crowd, there would be a guy controlling, like, a big old RC car, basically, that platform, and that is what we got but with a big old DJ, speakers, and one of our lovely faces sitting there making some nice tunage for you. Now, do you think it's possible to DJ and move the thing simultaneously? To DJ and move the thing? Probably not well. Okay. So it's more for the safety of other people that you don't uh, drive it while you're also driving the tunes. I would feel the only way we'd be able to drive it and do the tunes is if we previously made a mix, play it, act like we're DJing when we're actually steering the thing. <laughs> and that would lose a lot of the the, the fun of the, the freeform. Correct. Like if I see somebody out there uh, like wearing, let's say, an Elsa dress, I can just, just whoop right over to like into the unknown or something like that and that girl feel like she's the main star of the entire show oh that would be epic if i do like a previously made mix i wouldn't be able to do anything like that because it's a spontaneity and that's what you're paying for when it comes to the dj correct otherwise you would just have a regular old playlist with a usb press play and call it a day yeah that's no fun but like uh so far every single time that i have dj'd uh, I go in with a plan. All the songs are going to play in order, and I don't even remotely stick to that order. I don't even start with the song. I go, nah, change my mind, and I just do whatever the heck I want. You you go with with what you feel. What sort of songs have you been feeling lately? Not necessarily DJ-wise, but like in, in general. Songs I've been just feeling lately? Well, uh, I just played the new Spider-Man game on the PS5. The old Miles Morales. Oh, Miles Morales. It's amazing. And that soundtrack is freaking amazing. Uh, and I, I liked a couple of the songs on there. And I shazammed the first one. I went, oh, it's Jaden Smith. Okay. And then another one came on, and I shazammed that. And it was like, Jaden Smith. I went, uh-oh. Do uh-oh. I like Jaden Smith? It would be the first time, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it, it would be. It, it's it's got to be the first time. But... Those two songs on that soundtrack are pretty dang good. Because <laughs> like the last time Jaden Smith did a thing that, that wasn't completely 
absolutely crazy was the After Earth movie with his dad. I think you might be the first person that didn't find that movie a pile of garbage. I, I'm, I, I said it wasn't absolutely crazy. I didn't say it wasn't a pile of garbage. Oh, okay, okay. A thousand apologies. Cause, cause, a thousand apologies. Because when he was dressing up as Batman in all of the social um, events of the season, <laughs> that was one of the more crazy things that he did. Well, he, I, he might be crazy. He's either crazy or a genius. Isn't there a fine line in between um, in insanity and uh, and creativity? It's a very fine line, and I like to skirt right on it. I'm like, Woo. I like to bounce back and forth as quickly as possible just to keep people on their toes. And you do a heck of a job. It's a gift and a curse. It truly is. Um. So besides the old Miles Morales. Any other fun things that you've been uh, dipping your toes in lately, sir? I've been kind of feeling uh, just like the punk rock. Like, for some reason, I'm going like old school. I've been rocking some like Sum 41 and Simple Plan on my car rides to work, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. I've been going through a weird Linkin Park phase, too, so I understand. Look, there's nothing weird about a Linkin Park phase, okay? Linkin Park is amazing. <laughs> but some some 41 is that isn't that the rock that's what it's all about it's what we live for don't want to shot is that them uh i don't think that's them they're uh they are uh hold on gotta get there some 41 <laughs> now boom doom 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 uh uh, blink, uh, not blink. Uh, Some forty-one is a casualty of society. I never fall in line. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, if there are any other songs we can think of, um, in too deep. In too deep. I'm in too deep, and I'm trying to keep. <laughs> oh, da, 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 instead da, da, da. of going under. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so according to their uh, Wikipedia here, you got like "We're All to Blame" and "Pieces" are a bunch of their big ones from twenty or two thousand and four. Oh yeah, man, those guys—they—they—they're fun. They're fun, and every now and then, like, it'll come on my shuffle. I never skip past a Yellow Card song because Yellow Card is amazing. I haven't heard much Yellow Card since two thousand and ten. <laughs> Well, uh, they came back for a few years. Okay. And they released their final album in 2017, and they did a farewell tour. And I went to their very last concert in Orlando at House of Blues because they, they're from Florida. So they ended it in Florida. Like, their whole entire family was sitting right in front of me. It was way cool. Where they did, like, their, their full circle, doodad. Oh, yeah. I dig it. Uh, apparently, one of their um, big things was like lights and sounds. Oh, it's a great album. And Ocean Avenue. Everybody knows Ocean Avenue. And only one. Ooh, man! Like I have every single one of their albums, and they're all great. And I, I just, <clears throat> I miss them a little bit. It's been three three years, no Yellow Card, and I, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. With with all this punk rock stuff, like. Three feet from where I record the podcast, I've got a piano, and that's 
where for those of you who paid attention to the first bit of the show, um, heard a bunch of random uh, instrumentation. Um, and so one of the things that I learned as a young kid um, what was the the intro to one of the most famous Linkin Park songs out there and has the, the crazy piano riff of the boom, 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 boom. Exactly. Well, in the end is one of the best songs of all time. If you ever listen to like, like every Linkin Park song gets like a crowd just crazy, but the lyrics are all real and like kind of relatable, kind of depressing. And like, if, if you ever delve deep into their music, you're like, oh, dang. And even with their Transformers stuff, you're like, okay, the the beat's great. And then the instrumentation is awesome. And you get into the lyrics, you're like, oh, there's some stuff going on here. Yeah. And uh, like, especially the last album, you can tell something was going on and it was, it's, and you go, damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so besides that, I've been, um, jumping into one of my favorite James Bond songs, which is uh, Carly Simon's uh, Nobody Does It Better from The Spy Who Loved Me. Okay. Well, because it has, like, the coolest intro, um, like, melodically. Not like um, Live and Let Die or or a lot of them, like License to Kill, but it just has, like, a nice soft um, chord, and then it gets all crazy, and it's a nice super strong ballad so my my soft piano skills are Dude. what i'm working on at the moment at the moment yes it's nice it's very nice well thank you well speaking of moments i guess now is finally the moment where we should deep dive into the movie that everyone's been waiting on us to talk about okay okay yes yes so Die Hard, the movie from 1988. Um, just a, a quick thing about Die Hard, the movie. Just a quick plot. Um, it's Die Hard is a movie about a guy who ends up um, at his his possibly ex wife's uh, Christmas shindig at their boss's corporate place, and uh, ends up in the middle of a possible terrorist attack. Correct. And then has to find his way as a um, as a New York cop to end said terrorist attack with the help of a Los Angeles beat cop. You can just call him Carl Winslow. We can That's just call what... him <laughs> Reginald Val Johnson. He's Carl Winslow. He was even a cop on Family Matters, okay? He's just Carl Winslow. Uh, yep, all about the L.A. skyscraper. Um, the The movie, like I said, like I said, came out in July of 1988. Um, music by Michael Kamen, starring Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Alexander Gudunov, and Bonnie Bedalia, um, which was done by the Gordon Company, Silver Pictures, and of course, 20th Century. Fox. Um, so Disney, <laughs> which is now owned by Disney. Uh, so Disney has another Christmas film under its belt. So first <laughs> f- immediate thoughts about, um, about your love 
of Die Hard? Hmm. Well, uh, every single year, it is part of my Christmas tradition. I wake up Christmas Day, if I have the day off, of course. If I work, I save it for after work. But if I am blessed with that day off, I wake up, I make myself some food, I get cozy, and then I throw on Die Hard because no Christmas is complete until Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi Plaza. And what a fall it was just from so high up on that building. Um, I'm trying to think of how tall that building. It's at least 36, 36 floors. Like I, I'm, it's it's huge, but I think it's even bigger than that. Because <laughs> their their party was on like the thirty second floor, if I remember correctly. It, it was on the thirtieth floor. Ah, there it is. Yeah. Um. So on, on Christmas Eve is when this movie takes place. Um. There are a lot of other movies that take place on Christmas Eve that don't get as much love um, from the fans as this one does. Correct. Um, of course, the Hans Gruber, which is Alan Rickman, this is one of it, his first um, Hollywood roles. It's his very first Hollywood role. He hit the ground running. It's his very first movie. Because before this, like he he started doing this when he was forty. Because before this, he spent a lot of time just doing crazy plays. Um, yeah, he was a theater actor, and he just got cast in Die Hard, and everybody's like, "This dude's amazing. And, he and should be the sheriff of Nottingham now." He should. Ah, uh, if they, I miss, it, I miss Alan Rickman. He was the sheriff of Nottingham. I know, but I, I miss. His his performance is they're just crazy and a half. In, in this one, um, he he's so like in intelligent and just so swarmy yet charming simultaneously. And he oh, it's perfect. He's perfect. And he's got all these um, his heavily armed team, which I'm just gonna list their names because they're ridiculous and a half. You have Carl and Tony. Uh-huh. Franco, Theo, Alexander, Marco, Christoph, Eddie, um, Uli, Heinrich, Fritz, and James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the entire plan is to break into the uh, um, the Na- Nagatomi building to get, to get Joseph Takagi? T- Takagi? T- Takagi, yeah. For the building's vault coats. Um, and then Gruber, which is Alan Rickman, reveals that he plans to steal the $640 million, which is now um, $1.38 billion, if you were to do inflation, with untraceable bearer bonds. So that's like the entire premise right there. And yeah, pretty much. It, it's, it's such a golden premise that everyone uses it Nowadays, I recently watched an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, um, <laughs> which was uh, Die Hard on a spaceship because these people tried to like take over the Enterprise and Jean-Luc Picard was like hidden behind and um, he ended up foiling their plans because he knows his ship as well as he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie. Um, so, so what are some of your favorite parts um, on the Die Hard movie? 
plot oh, wise. Plot wise, or yeah. just like, well, I always just like every time I watch it, especially in the beginning, I I giggle because literally, like it's that first uh, stewardess or flight attendant, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, just gives the biggest doomy eyes to Bruce Willis I've ever seen in my entire life. Like she like stares through his soul to the point where he stops what he's doing and he's able to carry his gun on the plane he's like don't worry i'm a cop and then everyone's like oh okay it's fine he's smoking in the the airport it's the 80s and it's just such a crazy time (laughs) while we were while i was watching that um I, i took a couple of notes and one of my immediate notes that i have on here is um there's a subtle ad of Christmas songs to the main musical suite. So when like you first have him at the building, um, mm-hmm. it's not the music they're listening to, but it's the sounds that we hear. He, yeah. Uh, the composer adds a subtle bit of like deck the halls and Oh Christmas tree and whatnot into it. Yeah. Uh, literally like every single random thing points to Christmas in this movie. Like but, it's just, it's subtle and it's brilliant. Uh, but one of the not so subtle things is once you get to the Christmas party, um, there's a guy in um, Bruce's uh, wife's office who's clearly been coking up. He's just been snorting. But Ellis. Yep. Good old <laughs> Ellis. He's, he's, you missed some. Yeah, he's like, oh, I was just making some calls. <laughs> um, let's see, and and you get a. A lovely um, song, like right away, because of uh, Bruce Willis's limo driver, um, Argyle. Oh yes, it named after socks. Argyle's my dude, <laughs> and, and he loves um, he loves some Stevie Wonder because he's been playing the same song for what seems to be like six hours. Yeah, man, he's just repeating that Stevie Wonder. Yeah, I ain't hating. <laughs> and the, the the song that he's playing for those of you listening is um, Skeletons. And that's from his character's album, which came out the year before in 1987, which my dad had uh, when I was growing up. And I believe I took that album from him. And I also played the entire album over and over and over and over again. Well, it's Stevie Wonder. How can you hate on Stevie? That that, that album had My Eyes Don't Cry, which everyone used as their version of the 80s hustle dance. Okay. Not to be confused as the electric slide, which came out like six years before that. Boogie, woogie, woogie. Oh, gosh. Triggered. Um, let's see. Um, and, and so most of this movie, you, you get John McClane, um, Bruce Willis, in a tank top and he's barefoot. Barefoot. Well, yeah, the, the reason he's barefoot is because some random dude on an airplane... In the very beginning, he's like, oh, don't like flying? He's like, eh. And he goes, all right, to deal with travel, take off your shoes and socks and get on some carpet and make fists with your toes. It works every time. I was like, what the heck? And Bruce Willis tries it, and it works. (laughs) And so he's barefoot the entire movie. Yeah, because right when he tries that, lo and behold, the terrorists show up. And when they do, like, like it, it's subtle 
it's slow. And then once they, they take over and get hostages, that's when things just, just go crazy. Yes, and when they show up uh, and they all uh, jump out of the back of that truck, that is the one continuity error of the entire movie. How so? Well, when they all come out of that truck, there is no ambulance in it. And that is the same truck where they drop an ambulance out of the truck. Ah. In the end of the movie for their getaway. I see. Uh, uh, I watched like a documentary on the movie, and they realized that just as they put it to test screening, they went, oh, crap. What do we do? And then they went, who cares? This movie is awesome. And they just did it, and nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, because even with that sort of mistake, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't care. Like, I get it. They're like, there's no ambulance in there. They just all come, all 12 guys come out of this truck, and they went, oh. We forgot to do the thing. Well, and they couldn't do reshoots because the movie was on such a small budget. Yeah, apparently the the movie's budget was twenty five million, which sounds like a lot, but not for a blockbuster movie. Uh uh-uh. uh And they had zero faith in this movie. That's why it got released in July. <laughs> yeah, July is normally like uh, one of those gu- guaranteed. Um, like money-making things. It's not going to draw them in like on a holiday weekend, like Memorial Day or uh, Labor Day or something, but it is going to bring in s- at least some money. Apparently, it brought in... Uh, are you going to take a guess at how much th- this made in the box office? Ooh. Okay, for like 80s money, I'll say like $100 million. $140 million. Okay, I wasn't, like, atrociously far off. You were not. No, you were pretty close. Yeah, um, and, and so this movie has a lot of those 80 tropes in it as well, besides, you know, like, like you said, the, the one mistake, sure. Um, but it has some 80s tropes, like like a candy, like a, a little convenience store in the, the giant um, corporate the building. Closet. Oh yeah, where the guy eats a candy bar? Yeah, he steals like like the terrorist steals a candy bar as he's waiting to shoot some police officers. Apparently, that was ad libbed, and they were like, "Brilliant, <laughs> nice." Um, they have the like the hard headed, um, not listening like sergeant or dep- chief deputy of police. Oh, the the uh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Paul oh, Gleason. Paul Gleason, uh, yeah. the principal. <laughs> the, the, the principal from uh, the Breakfast Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the dean from Van Wilder. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, uh, as I got it right here, Dwayne T. Robinson, the LAPD deputy chief. What's up? He just uh, he doesn't listen to a thing. Reginald Bell Johnson says Mm-mm. not one thing until the FBI agents go blown sky high. Who have the two greatest names in movie history, in my personal opinion? <laughs> which which two ones? Well, the two FBI, uh, they're both Johnson. Okay. And, and they both go, they're like, no relation. And in the cast billing, uh, uh-huh. Robert Robert Davey is Big Johnson, and Grant 
uh, Bush is Little Johnson. <laughs> oh, good old Robert Davi. Robert Davi um, was in a Bond film. He's in a lot of stuff like that. Because he's just got that face and delivery where he could be like that douchey order giving guy. He was in my one of my favorite Bond films, License to Kill, as this guy named Fron Sanchez. <laughs> which came out just a year after in 1989. He's also in Predator 2 and Showgirls. He was in Predator 2. And we do not speak of Showgirls unless you are a 17-year-old boy in the 90s. I don't think I was 17 in the 90s. <laughs> oh, okay, a teenager in the 90s? All right. I think it I think it came out in like 97 or something like that. I, I think so. You know, the, the fans of um, was Saved that? by the Bell? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was uh, yeah yeah yeah. Little Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue. El- Elizabeth Berkeley, I believe. Berkeley, that's right. Elizabeth Shue is uh, Adventures in Babysitting. That's right. I got my my Liz's all mixed up. Uh, let's see what else we got going on here on my magical list of things. Um, oh, so. <laughs> We're not even that far into Die Hard yet. We go we go off into tangents, folks, and we apologize. Yeah, this is this is less of a moment by moment and more of a look how awesome this movie is. I, I would say my favorite villain mm-hmm. out of all, other than Hans. Hans obviously gets first place. Sure, but it's one hundred percent Theo. Theo? Heck yeah. As in Gruber's tech specialist? I freaking love that dude. <laughs> he, he's the guy who spends the entire movie trying to break into the bank or the, the vault. And he just throws out stupid one-liners the entire time. You know how much I love one-liners. Well, oh, of course. He was also in uh, uh, Walker's tech, in Walker, Texas Ranger. I was about to say, wasn't he in Walker, Texas Ranger? Yeah, he played, uh, let's see, it says right here, his, his partner, um, uh, Jimmy Trevette. That show's ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, he was also apparently in Chips, and uh, let's see. What he else. was in Chips. Let's see, Ch- Die Hard, um, Walker. Then after Walker, he did a bunch of TV movies. Ooh, a lot of TV movies. Were okay. Well, yikes. Things went downhill after Walker, Texas Ranger. Hey, hey, man. You know what? The Walker, Texas Ranger lasted a ridiculously long time. And so dude got some money. Uh, like I said, Argyle, the limousine driver, he was a, another ridiculous player. And uh, But but like Carl, um, Hans Gruber's second in command, um, Alexander Goodenough. I like to call him Sunshine. He Wasn't he Vigo? No, uh, no, he wasn't Vigo, but someone in that movie was Vigo. Uh, I want to say, uh, was it the dude who played Fritz, maybe? We will find out after a word from our sponsor. While you're listening to this ad, I'd like you to look down. Now look back up. Are you wearing an awesome shirt that says Team Ryan O? Or a shirt with a duck with a cup spilled over that says Party Foul? Are you also wearing a really cool button that says Did You Know with Ryan O? Or a hat that says Team Ryan O? 
or I know Rhino? Well, if you're not doing any of those things, you should be. And you can do so by going to Zazzle.com slash store slash Did You Know with Rhino. That's right, folks. I have my own merchandise shop, and you can buy all sorts of amazing awesomeness pertaining to this podcast and show your love by once again going to Zazzle.com slash store slash Did You Know with Ryan O. Wear it, share it, love it. And now back to our show. Did you know with Ryan O? All right, so we found out that the guy who played Vigo um, was none other than Wilhelm von Holmberg. I know, Gesundheit. Um, he was the henchman James in Die Hard. <laughs> his IMDb photo is his wrestling photo. Which he, he was, um, he moved to California with his father. Um, to to further his wrestling career, um, they would wrestle professionally as a tag team together, as the Vikings. Yeah, one of them. It looks like one of them has a monocle. Does one of them have, or is that just? Yeah, one of them has a monocle. That is nuts. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I need more of that. Um, well, well, speaking of more of things, let's talk more about. The diehards. Um, Ooh, okay. So, so Alan Rickman, just Hans Gruber, um, mm-hmm. when he goes uh, to to kill um, um, to Takagi, yeah. Uh, well, he has my favorite line in the entire film because he's talking to him about like expensive suits and stuff. Because trying to say like, oh, I, I have two of them and whatnot. I ha- I have two myself. And so he says, um, that's a very nice suit, Mr. Takagi. It would be a shame to ruin it. <laughs> and just his delivery of, it would be a shame to ruin it. You're like, oh, dude, I want more of that. And he's just like, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. And he just shoots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, dang. And then, uh, what is it? Theo and uh, what was his name? Uh, was, was it Carl? Yeah, Theo and Carl. Mm-hmm. Carl pays Theo what looks like a hundred bucks or something like that. He's like, "Up, oh, you were right. Mm-hmm. He killed him." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, oh my god, this movie's amazing." Because he, they're trying to get the last code, um, so that Theo could do his job a lot quicker and steal all the bonds. But it was going to take a lot longer because they killed him. But they're like, "Yeah, we can still do it." Okay, cool. And then they have this ridiculous plan that, in, which for some reason, Hans doesn't tell everybody his full plan mostly just because it's cooler for us as the audience to see the plan as carried out like surprisingly. Yeah. You want to see it as it happens as opposed to knowing ahead of time. Like, okay. Uh, just for future reference, Disney, this is how you do that. Remember when last Jedi, when for no reason, Homegirl did not tell Poe the whole plan for no reason, and it started a mutiny. Yeah, th- this is how you do that. You, you just you still tell your people stuff to keep them calm, and you 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 can give them some stuff. But you don't want to give the the entire cake. You got to give a piece at a time. Yeah, just a piece. Uh, it, Disney gave nothing, and it made no sense. 
But Alan Rickman tells people, he's like, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and Theo's like, okay. And he just gets back to drilling. Just, just keep drilling, dude. Everything will be fine. Oh, I love it. Just... His whole his whole plan was predicated on, uh, like, because he's drilling slowly through all these, like, uh, crazy, ridiculous locks. I, I don't understand it, really, but I don't think I'm meant to. It, it's uh, He's slowly hacking slash simultaneously drilling through these locks to get to the safe. The final lock is, like, the impossible one to, like, crack unless they actually get the code. Unless the FBI cuts the power, and when the power gets cut, the safe default and unlocks. <laughs> and then uh, amazing music. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you just gotta What's love that? some Ode to Joy, man. Ode to Joy, it's beautiful. Which, which is my, my second favorite musical piece in the entire movie. Well, just, the music with the camera work, just all the cheesy faces on the bad guys' faces as they check out all the money and stuff, and you're like, hey. I kind of like these guys now. <laughs> they, they, were, they were delightfully charming, yet ridiculous and, uh, you know, scary simultaneously. And... and and as I said, any movie from like late 80s to early 2000s has wonderful one-liners. Lately, the one-liners have kind of weighed off. They're, they're gone. The art is kind of dead unless you get yourself an expendable movie. Which is just but like, 17 one-liners just back to back. Correct. And I'm not mad at it. We all knew why we were here. We we're here to see the old dudes kick some ass. And then tell a bad joke afterwards. Yeah, and that's fine. But one of my favorite one-liners from Die Hard is when the random henchman number 14 like, jumps up on the table. He's like, "Next, when you have a chance to kill somebody, don't hesitate. And he goes, thanks for the advice. I was like, There's just so many amazing parts in this movie like i haven't seen it and it was like over 10 years since the last time i've seen this movie and really? I want every every year like clockwork christmas day i can see why it's 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 a classic like heist film yeah it's it's just good and it seems like it's told from hans gruber's perspective not Kind of, yeah. Not from John McClane's perspective, because if it were done by John McClane's perspective, he would just, you know, get it done and then disappear. But he's barely in the movie, which had something well, to do with with his crazy schedule. With well, that and they they didn't have that much confidence in Bruce Willis to be an action star. That's why even on the poster of the movie, he's not front and center. He's behind the Nakatomi Plaza. So the building gets more play than he does. The building gets top billing over Bruce Willis in the first Die Hard movie. That's that's crazy. I think it was after, uh, like, like he wasn't even on the poster until 
they they finally put it into theaters. Correct, actually. I believe you're right. That's nuts. Uh, so, so what other ridiculous nonsense things do you know about the behind the scenes on this one? Ooh, ooh that's a tough one. Uh, I know... Hold on. I actually... I know for a fact, like they they had a very tight shooting schedule, and they didn't actually have, like they filmed it in that building. The only reason they were able to get that building is because it was under construction, and they wrote like the movie around the construction, and they also wrote the uh, you know the fight scene with Bruce Willis and Carl. Mm-hmm. They wrote that day of. And they walked through the area, and they said, okay, we're going to use that, that, that. And they, like, made it, like, a realistic fight. Like, not a super scripted fight. That's why it looks kind of real. Mm-hmm. Like, two people would actually fight in this way. As uh, opposed to, like, a, a Jackie Chan sort of crazy flipping over tables sort of fight. Which is way cool. It's just a different kind of art form. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, they wanted to make sure... Like, all this stuff was there in the room. They wanted to use it. Because, like, okay, if you're fighting off this dude, you're going to, like, wrap this chain around him. You're going to do this kind of stuff. You're going to do this kind of stuff. And they they made sure to do all the fights like that and make them, like, as grounded in reality as they possibly could. Like, the very first guy that Bruce Willis kills was it Carl's brother. Mm Mm-hmm. Tony? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he didn't even mean to kill that dude. (laughs) Good old Tony. He just fell down the stairs and broke his neck. And at that point when he did it, um, his 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 shirt was still white-ish. As you go yeah. on, his shirt just gets dirtier and dirtier until it becomes some sort of like dark grayish brown. And then he sends Tony back in the elevator. And now I have a machine gun. Uh, oh. Ho, oh. ho, ho. Oh. I just love... I love I love Hans Gruber's. I love it. It's just how, how, how. <laughs> it's just like zero joy. Just such a flat read to it. It's it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, apparently, there were uh, based on the shirt. Just a little bit of trivia coming up. Um, there were seventeen shirts altogether um, for Bruce Willis in the movie. Just of that tank okay. top, seventeen of them, and each different do, um, type of coloration and decay levels of messed up yeah and uh, he ended up donating one of them um to uh, the smithsonian like 10 years ago oh that's cool back when everyone still kind of liked bruce willis yeah but he was still bald at that time well he was bald after like 2007 I think he was like bald in, in like nineteen ninety six, like right after Armageddon. Oh, you're right. I'm just talking purely uh, diehard. Okay. Sometimes Bruce Willis doesn't exist to me outside of Die Hard. Fair. Uh, Although that being said, Armageddon is f- freaking amazing. It's zero, zero, not even remotely grounded in reality. But it's a fun movie. 
But some of those that aren't grounded in reality are some of the more fun movies to watch. Apparently, they, they, they show that movie to NASA recruits so they can point out all the things that are wrong with it. Okay. <laughs> because literally everything they do in that movie is not correct. <laughs> I, I like it. Like, just, you know, if you're going to call a spade a spade, just do what you got to do. You get a little Aerosmith out of it, so it's not that bad. You know, it's fine. Do you know Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler? It's a good time. Oh, Ben Affleck should be in the next, um, be in the next Die Hard. I don't know if there's gonna be a next Die Hard. Die Hard Seven, Die Harder again. I, I believe we're up to the next one would be six, and number five really made me mad. Was that it's a good day to? Die Hard. Yeah, that's that's a good day to die hard with Jai Courtney. Oh, you and your Jai Courtney. Listen, Jai <laughs> Courtney is movie poison. <laughs> and before that, there was Live Free and Die Hard. That one was the only PG-13 Die Hard and still better than the fifth one. Good day to die hard. Uh, then before that was the number three. Die Hard with a Vengeance in 1995. Ooh, I love that one. Uh, which was also directed by the same guy who did um, one and two, I believe. Nope. The, for the guy who did number one did number three. McTiernan? Yeah. Yeah. I could tell. And, and number two, Die Hard, on the, car, on the, the poster, it's just Bruce Willis's face an airport with a whole bunch of fire and right above die hard Two, in giant red letters. It says die harder. Yeah, bro. <laughs> because why not? Like the second one's fine. I have no problems with the second one. There's a random Robert Patrick cameo. He's a henchman right before Terminator two. Yeah, because after Terminator 2, he was just known as like the, the T-1000, or is that, is that it? Yeah, it's the T-1000. The Liquid Terminator. That's another movie series. There are so many movie series that we need to talk about that, you know, we've got at least 10 more years worth of podcast material if we do one every other month. Listen, I'm here for it. <laughs> and a lot of our listeners are too. Um so let's see. So what else can we wrap up about the plot? Um, let's see. Let's see. Reginald Val Johnson and good old Carl Winslow um, from the Family Matters with good old Steve Urkel. Did I do that? Um, let's see, he's the one who saves the day. Apparently, him and Bruce Willis didn't meet until the last day of filming. That makes sense. They didn't have any scenes together. Yeah, it was just them talking to each other, which could have been just them talking to whoever. Did nothing, and they could just splice it in. They are actors. Yep. At one time, Bruce Willis was quite good at this acting thing. Yes, yeah, back when he cared and tried. Man, the dude does not care anymore. But anyway, I want to talk about. I just, I, I, I got to talk about it. Sure. Like, who doesn't think this movie's a Christmas movie, and why? I, I don't know because it has Christmas elements. Um, so if you if you break it down into it, its elemental aspects of it, um, does it have Christmas music? Yes, it does. It, it, so, so then, 
Um, when does it take place? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. A- at a Christmas party. Correct. Um, there are, are presents and 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 Christmas trees and lights and people wanting to get home to be with their family. We even see um, the McLean family inside their gigantic, like six million dollar house from L.A. Come on, it's a giant house. Like, like what? What else is in this movie, Nate? That would that you think makes it a Christmas film? Well, a lot of things uh, go into making a Christmas movie. Like, uh, you gotta have like Christmas uh, references, Christmas like decorations, stuff like that. This movie's got like like twenty something Christmas trees in it, and it's got. Like, some awesome Christmas music, might I add. And also, uh, most Christmas movies have a theme of, like, overcoming something to realize, like, who you are, who you love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This movie also has that. It's got full-on altruism, and it's amazing. Like, it makes you feel good. It's just, I don't I don't I don't see how anybody thinks this is not a Christmas movie. And it's got let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, winter wonderland, singing in the rain, like all those things are added into it. I I I, I don't get what why people don't. I guess it's just, it's just the people who are angry that a super actiony movie, which is you know, on the, True. the it's like the the top, it's like 125 of the best films of all time. That's true. It's it's a it's now considered one of the greatest action films of all time. It's in the top ten of action films, and it's got so many sequels. So I guess it's just people who just want to like plant their flag on top of a hill and say this is not a Christmas film, and then just sorry, probably wrong accent. This is not a Christmas film. <laughs> I don't know if that's insulting to anybody else, man. Um, but it's Hold on. Uh, uh, apparently Die Hard contains eleven unique Christmas trees and nineteen Christmas trees total. See, see. Uh, uh, uh hold, on. Hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm reading. I too am researching whilst we're podcasting. Yeah. And 15 unique Christmas decorations. And then... Now we're counting uh, Christmas songs. It's got at least three of them in there. Uh-oh, we're up to seven. Okay. Um, and Ooh. only a quarter Ooh. of people other that were polled believe it to be a Christmas film. But I bet they haven't watched it. <laughs> That's true. A lot of people. And then there's a lot of, uh, they go by Christmas. Die Hard has uh, uh, that uh, video that I was telling you about. They go by a Christmas algorithm, they say. Okay. Uh, by things that should be in Christmas movies. Uh, Christmas trees, they have 19. Sure. Christmas decorations, 15. Okay. Christmas carols. 
12. Yeah. The use of the word Christmas, they have 13. Sure. And other Christmas references, there's four. Okay. And now, uh, uh, Home Alone. Would you consider Home Alone a Christmas classic? I thought I would consider like Home Alone 2 a Christmas classic. Uh, I, 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 I too would do that. But the original Home Alone only has seven Christmas trees. But they, they do they do win on uh, Christmas decorations for 29 because that house was freaking ginormous. I oh, want to sure. know what the, that family does for a living. But, but, but so was the giant office building, but I guess because it was a Japanese was, company. And this, and it was under construction. There's no need to decorate the whole thing. Yeah, especially like an elevator shaft. You're not going to decorate an elevator shaft. Correct. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, so what we're saying on this podcast is that it is a Christmas movie. And if you don't like it, well, first of all, why are you listening to a episode that says Die Hard? Like, it's like the first word I'm going to put. Um, I think I'm just going to call this episode Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> uh, it's because it is. All right, here's the be- biggest one. Okay. Uh, a Miracle on 34th Street. Would you consider that a Christmas movie? I consider that a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> you're, you're killing me. <laughs> But that's just me. And the, but it's about freaking Santa Claus. Yes, but it doesn't take place until like like Christmas Eve. It takes place mostly about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? That's I, I uh you are correct. But everyone equates that cuz Santa Christmas movie. Well, you've got Santa versus Krampus and that's not a Christmas movie. No, but let's come back to that later. <laughs> But anyway, uh, Miracle on 31st Street has one, or 34th Street has one Christmas tree in the whole movie. Is that in the Macy's floor? Uh, I don't even know. But either way, one Christmas tree, three Christmas decorations, four Christmas carols to Die Hard's 12. Uh, Use of the word Christmas, eight to Die Hard's 13. And a partridge in a pear tree. I. Come on, get on my level. It, yeah. Yeah. And it makes Batman... Is Batman Returns on your list? Batman Returns? I, I You know what? I like Batman Returns. Because I, I, I feel like... I, I feel think like it's a that's Christmas an film. Argu- I feel like that's an argument for another day. <laughs> I think so, too. That's like probably next year's Christmas movie. I was like... Because there, there's also like there's there's a lot of people that think Gremlins is a Christmas movie, and like when they re-released it in the theaters not too long ago, all of their marketing was gr- like Christmas related. There was posters of Christmas trees with Gremlins coming out of Christmas trees. I'm like, maybe Gremlins is a Christmas movie. I'll allow it. It does take place on Christmas, but it's a weird little movie. So I don't apparently. Die Hard's uh, uh, view viewership. If you were to, they were able to like gather few streaming services and all that stuff, or video rentals, like online rentals, I should say. Sure, let me guess. Like it's YouTube. up twenty percent during the holiday season. 
It's up 400% during the holiday season. Okay. Yikes. <laughs> I went, that is ridiculous. So you, you heard it here, folks. We on Did You Know with Ryan O, comma, the podcast, believe that Die Hard is a Christmas film. Any other fun, crazy facts you want to leave about this movie before we switch gears, sir? Uh, you know what? Uh, I could go on forever on Die Hard because it is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I feel like we've talked a good amount about it. Although, uh, one last thing. Uh, most people do know this, but when they dropped Hans Gruber at the end of the movie, they didn't tell them when they tell Alan Rickman when they were going to drop him. They were going to drop you on three. And they went, he was like, okay, and they went, one, drop. And that's why he genuinely looks scared. Because he was. <laughs> did, did they drop, like, do they drop him into a giant thing, like a stunt guy, or? Like a mat, yeah. Okay. But it was actually him, and he was like, okay, because it was his first movie. He has zero clout yet. Sure. And they, they uh, didn't have, like, too many stunt dudes available and stuff like that, probably. Ex- and... Exactly. So they dropped him on one when they said three, got a genuine reaction out of him on the first take, used it in the movie, and he was furious when he hit the ground. <laughs> they also did a similar thing with them. Um, they their first meeting, um, when he's like pretending that he's not who he is, um, they didn't <laughs> rehearse it because they wanted it to seem just as like um, impromptu as when it was filmed. Oh, when he pretended to be American. Yeah, which is oh yeah, it's his accent. It like flutters and was ridiculous, but that's oh, not here God, there. Oh God, please no. <laughs> I was like, come on. But but obviously, John McClane was not fooled by these shenanigans. That's why he gave him an empty gun. Oh, good old John McClane. So, uh, any other um, words of wisdom in regards to this uh, particular movie, sir? The last thing I will say is this movie, uh, before this, every single action star or hero in any movie was a juiced up like roided Arnold Schwarzenegger Rambo 2 sliced alone kind of guy this movie introduced to everyone the everyman superhero like from this point on you could have a dude that looked pretty average like Bruce Willis was he wasn't swole for this movie he looked like a normal dude like but he could still like kick your ass but he wasn't like just shredded from head to toe you know are you saying that Tom Hanks could be an action star based on that knowledge. Hey, you know what? If you've seen any of the pictures from anybody who's gone into a Marvel movie lately, uh, what's the... Kumail Nanjiani? Yeah, Kumail Nanjiani. If you've seen that guy, anybody can be an action star if they put their minds to it. If Chris <laughs> Pratt can go from uh, uh, Doughy Andy to Star-Lord, then why not? You know what? Why not? But uh, this movie introduced uh, the everyman superhero, like just a a dude that everybody could relate to because everybody has problems like the same like Bruce Willis had normal dude problems. His wife got an awesome job. She moved away. He still wanted to be a cop in New York. He's trying to save his marriage. (laughs) So he brings a giant Teddy. He's bringing a giant teddy bear across the across the country to go see his wife on Christmas, who started using the name Gennaro again, which he was not a fan with. And then at the very end, she's like, I'm Holly. 
McLean, and then makeout session. Because it's a Christmas film, you know? Hallmark it, films do it. Why can't um, Die Hard? I, you know what? I can't think of a single reason why. Well, with that, um, it's time to jump in to the thing that we usually always do at the end of most episodes. It's everyone's Ooh. scariest um, part of the show. It's time for the random trivia generator. A random trivia generator. skiddly do. All right, so what's going to happen, for those of you who aren't aware, is I'm going to ask um, six different questions to Nate um, rather quickly, and we're going to see how well he responds to them. Are you ready, dude? Certainly. All right, here we go. We're going to start with geography. What is the largest state in the United States? Oh, God. Uh, is it Nebraska? <laughs> Nebraska as the largest state in the United States? Uh, oh, oh. Uh, no. I'm just, uh, the only reason I said Nebraska is because I've driven through it a few times and it felt like it went on forever. It feels <laughs> like it goes on forever. I understand. Uh, let's see. <laughs> like part of me wants to say Florida because it's absurd. It's just absurdly but it, long, but it's not the largest. Is it like Alaska? It is Alaska. Nice work. I uh, got there, I guess. <laughs> our next question in science, what is glass mainly made up of? Isn't it like uh, sand? It is indeed. Nice work. Um, in entertainment. Why do I, why do I know that? <laughs> I don't know. But I like it. We'll just keep going because you're on a roll. What was the very first Andrew Lloyd Webber musical to be adapted to film? Holy crap. Which one is Andrew Lloyd Webber? <laughs> uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I, I, well, I could tell you he's the Cats dude, which was not the answer to this one. Well, no, that's the answer to no question ever. Yeah. But he's done a few other ones. This particular film has Victor Garber in it. Victor Garber? The Phantom of the Opera? It's not. It's uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus, Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, da, da, da. On the next one. He did do Phantom of the Opera, though, right? He did. Okay. He, he is the Phantom dude, but this one came just before that one. Okay, 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 okay. Um, also in entertainment, who plays Joe in the Lifetime movie based on his life in the TV show Family Guy? Wait, what? <laughs> nah, it's a hard one. We're going to skip that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that it, one was worded funkily. It was. Um, what year did Cracker Jack introduce their mascots, Sailor Jack and his dog Bingo? Holy crap. Well, Cracker Jack's been around for friggin' ever. Yep. I don't know, like a 41. Let's say 41. 1916. I didn't know that one either. 16? Yep. Holy crap. 
Uh, what was the name of the plane that dropped the atomic bomb on Nagasaki? Oh, I just watched this movie. I forgot. The boxcar. The boxcar. What movie earned John Wayne his first Academy Award? Oh, God, was it? Was, was that True Grit? It was True Grit. And finally, um, what is Canada's popular winter ice sport that is not hockey? Is it figure skating? It's curling. Ah, uh, you said sport. I did indeed. <laughs> and that's our random trivia generator for this particular episode. Nice work. You survived. <laughs> curling. I know curling's a sport. Well, there are a lot of things that people don't consider a sport that technically are. Fair enough. But that's information for a different podcast. Now, how we normally end this here podcast as we ask our guests based on the information that we talked about in this episode or its subject, in this case being Die Hard, what question would you like to ask to our audience? Ooh. What question? Like, uh, Die Hard related? Or action film related or anything like like Christmas related. All right. uh, Like, honestly, uh, what is your favorite Christmas song? What is your favorite Christmas song? Very nice. Um, before we get um, into any closing statements here, um, do you have anything you'd like to plug, sir? Uh, yeah, uh, my SoundCloud is actually up and running. Uh, it is uh, uh, soundcloud.com slash cousin underscore Nate, and I have my first mix up there, and you guys can go listen to it. Right on. So that's a C-O-U-S-I-N underscore N-A-T-E. Correct. It's a Christmas mix that I made this year. And it's about 34 minutes long. So it should be a good time if you guys enjoy a little up-tempo Christmas music. Which I am all for up-tempo Christmas music and up-tempo Christmas movies. Ooh, yeah. Die Hard 6. Christmas strikes again. (laughs) I don't know. I went somewhere. It didn't pay off. This time it's personal. (laughs) This time he went for his cousins, friends, former roommate. What does that make us? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Which is exactly what you're about to become. Love it. Um, so if you out there wish to have a conversation with us about anything pertaining to this movie, or if you want to answer our, uh, our question, which once again is, what is your favorite Christmas song? You can do so by checking us out on, at Facebook, Did You Know with Ryan O, Twitter at Did You Know Ryan O, or you can just email us, Did You Know Ryan O at gmail.com. Thanks again, Nate, for stopping by and having an awesome chat with me. Of course. Always a pleasure. 
And for those of us here, to those of you out there, we hope that you find your awesome, hold on to it, and share it with the world. I've been Ryan O, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.